0: Well, today we begin our series inflated because in something that no one could have seen coming, money has gotten tighter for pretty much everyone lately. Crazy, right? I mean food prices have gone up at restaurants, food prices have gone up at the grocery store, gas prices are higher than they've ever been, and they're staying that way for longer than they have ever stayed so high, healthcare and insurance costs continue to rise, the stock market is in a big slide, which means most of our retirement accounts have shrunk, and if you're thinking about buying a house right now, don't. Just, just don't because home prices have become as astronomical. This is one of those and really encouraging starts to a sermon, by the way. Are anyone feeling encouraged and hopeful right now? Like, yeah. Every week we say, like, we want this to be hopeful and encouraging. You're like, I'm not sure he got the memo because this is not encouraging. This is not hopeful. See, here's the headline. It is harder than ever to be good at money. It is harder than ever to be good at money. Everything is more expensive and chances are your job didn't just magically start paying you more money because everything got more expensive. Like if it did, congratulations, but chances are that's not your experience. I cannot think of a time in my life where collectively things got so tight so fast, and here's the crazy pipe, no one's really exempt from that. The, headline, the second headline is simply this, it's harder than ever to be good at money for everyone. I mean, there are probably times in your life, in your family's life, or at some point along the way where because of job circumstances, or health circumstances, or layoffs, or lost hours, or medical bills, or whatever, where money became tight for you and for your family for a season, but I can't think of a time in my life where everyone has collectively felt the pinch for such an extended period of time. And here's the thing. In this season, it's easy to point fingers and to cast blame at others because let's be honest, the financial environment changed. Your habits didn't. The financial environment changed, your spending didn't. The financial environment changed, your paycheck didn't. The cost of everything changed, your need for many of those things, it didn't change when the cost went up. Your demand didn't go up, but the sur- supply certainly went down or changed. It's easy and it's natural right now to criticize the government and elected officials and economic advisors for decisions made and how they, they handled the country's finances which have changed the environment that we, uh, we all live in. It's actually really easy right now. Some of what's happened, let's be honest, it was unavoidable. Some of what has happened is very was very avoidable, and some of it became unavoidable when our government officials chose certain paths over the last years. They got on one path and now it became unavoidable. But here's the thing and this is why it's so important for us to talk about this over the next over over today and next week. While it's harder than ever to be good at money, it's never been more important to get good at money. It has never, like if you weren't good at handling finances before, it is incredibly important, more important than ever, that you get good at handling your finances now and that you get better at it now, not next week, and that you get better at it now, not two months from now when things have gotten even tighter. And the reason it's so important for us to pay attention and get good at money if we haven't been good and that we get better at money even if we've been relatively good is simply this. The current financial environment will expose and amplify every bad habit you have with money. The current financial environment will expose and amplify every bad habit you have with money. Everything that you do that's financially impulsive, it's apparent now and it's a bigger deal now. Everything that you do that's undisciplined financially, it shows up and it's a bigger deal now than it's ever been before. Any bit of living beyond your means or outside of your budget, it shows up now and it's a bigger deal now. Every bit of debt that you carry makes everything else that much tighter. Any bad investment, it hurts and hits harder when things tighten, up and so while it's easy to be critical of a government spending of money and handling of the economy here's what i know and here's what's true every single one of us we need to actually look in the mirror and refuse to overlook our own use of money our own handling of money our own habits when it comes to money because if we're going to be critical of them we also need to make sure that we look in the mirror because while the environment got tighter if we don't make sure that we're also stronger and healthier we may actually have be living in a moment that financially breaks us it has never been more important to get good at money and here's what's so beautiful about that as jesus as Jesus followers, the best way for us, and I believe actually the best way for the world, but we actually should probably take this more seriously, the best way to get good at money is to pay attention to and put into practice God's plans and God's purposes and God's instructions for us when it comes to, to our money because we believe that we live and have a relationship with a God who we want to live for and we want to honor and we don't just want to live for and honor him with our Sunday mornings or with our hours spent on, on church online or church in person and we don't just want to honor him with our church relationships. We want to honor him with how we handle everything about our lives including the money that he has entrusted us with and so today and next week that's what we are going to do. Now, to begin talking about this, I want to talk about the things that most people do with their money. Here's the things that most people do with their money. They earn it. They pay taxes on it. They spend it. They pay off debt with it. They save it to spend it. They save it for a rainy day, invest it for retirement. They invest it for profit. And finally, some people donate. And give it away. Now, let me just kind of unpack that a little bit. Some of you are like, there's a lot of categories that I've not really thought about doing. There's some that I don't do, there's some that a lot of people do. I got, okay, let's let's talk about this. Number one, we earn it. Most of us, I mean, some of us you retired, some of us you worked for a long time and now you're retired. Some of you are maybe currently out of work, but many of us throughout the course of life, we are going to work to earn. Money. We're gonna work. We're gonna spend our hours and our time and our energy earning money so that we have money so we can do the rest of the things that we will do with money. Once we get money, then we pay taxes on it. Some of you are like, I, I don't pay taxes. No, your employer pays taxes, so you do pay taxes. You just think you make four dollars an hour. Like, like, you, like, what you get is what you get in your paycheck is after the taxes are taken out. Some of you, you do pay taxes. Personally, because you have, you're self-employed or something like that, but you pay taxes on the money that you earn. You spend it, meaning you have utilities to pay for, you have food to pay for, you have groceries to pay for, you have gas and more gas and more expensive gas and more expensive gas and more expensive gas to pay for. You have your phone bill. You have a whole bunch of stuff that you pay for. You're going to spend spend that money. You have to pay off debt with it, meaning your school loans, your mortgage, your car loans, money bar money that you borrowed from your parents. Um, some of you are going to save to spend it. You're going to save for a big purchase, like you want to buy a new TV or a, you want to buy a new computer. You want to buy a new camera. Uh, These are all electronic goods. You want to buy a pet. You want to buy a new dog. You want to buy, I don't know why anyone would buy a cat, but like maybe you want to do that. You want to buy a thousand dollar cat like Rachel on Friends. I don't know how that works, but you're going to save to spend for a big purchase. Maybe you're going to save for a rainy day. You're saving for emergencies for the day when you know your car is going to break down, or you're going to need new tires, or you're going to need new brakes, or a medical emergency happens. You want to be prepared for it, so you're saving for a rainy day. Some of you, you're going to save for retirement. You don't want to work forever, and you're preparing for that day. Some of you, you're investing for profit because, let's face it, stalks to the moon. You're like, is that even a sentence? Yes, that's a sentence that investors say. I found it on Twitter. I don't know what it means. I think it means that stonks always go up, that stocks, stonks are stocks I don't know how that happened. But anyway, that you're investing for profit. You're investing for a gain. And then finally, again, many of us will donate and we'll give it away some to the church, to charity, to, to people in need. We're gonna donate or we're gonna give it away. Now, here's the thing. I wanna I want, I want talk about this because there are some extra categories that if you get, out, get these out of order, these, you actually, you actually get some new categories. For some of you, you spend it before you earn it. And when you spend it before you earn it, you get a specific new category, pay off credit card debt or pay off consumer debt. You're like, Wait, no, you already said pay off debt. No, I talked about like mortgage and car loans and student loans and some of the things that are actual like relative necessities of life. These are things that you wanted it and you didn't have the money for it, so you put it on a credit card. You spent it before you earned it. And so now in the future, you have to pay off the things that you experienced in the past. And so you, you have a specific new category called payoff credit card debt. Some of you, you didn't know you could save for big purchases. You're like, when, like, like you're like, that's worth the cost of admission. I can save for big purchase like I can save towards a new TV. I could save towards a car. I, could, like, I didn't actually know I could do that. I thought the only way to get those things was to put it on the credit card. Like I, like I knew all about the credit card. Like I, I, knew all about, I I didn't know there was actually a way that, that you could do that. Some of you, you saved for a rainy day, and then, unfortunately, a hurricane hit. Like you were prepared financially for a 20 minute New Mexico, you know, thunderstorm. And unfortunately what hit you was a category five hurricane and you were not prepared for that. You were prepared, but you weren't that prepared. So what do you do with that? Then for some of you, let's be honest, there's a new category we've experienced in the last year or so, which is invest for loss. You're like, after the last six or seven years, I thought you could only invest for gain. I thought the stocks always went up. I thought it was always up and to the right. And I just found out that they actually can go down. And you're like, for the first time, some of us are experiencing where you invested for loss, years of nonstop market growth, we actually didn't feel like it was possible for stocks to actually go down and the investments to actually go down. Here's the thing. Here's the thing and why, why I draw our attention to the list that's on, that's on screen and been on screen for a little bit right now. If you notice, eight out of the nine things on this list that you will do with money, what do they ultimately revolve around? You and me. They ultimately revolve around me, see, you earn the money for your benefit. You pay taxes on it, so the government doesn't arrest you. But twist, if you don't pay taxes, you also don't have to pay for housing or utilities. You know, something to think about. There's an option there. You spend the money like that's right. You spend money and you spend money on you because you want a place to live. You want the lights and you want the AC on. You want running water. So selfish! I can't believe it. You want a phone. You want to eat. Like, is there something wrong with? It? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You pay. You pay debt, that you will pay money for the things that past you wanted, but you weren't willing to wait until uh, until that you had the money for them. You will save for a rainy day so that current you can have peace of mind about future you's emergencies. You will invest for re- retirement so future you can enjoy retirement. It goes on and on and on and on, that most of the things, the eight out of the nine things that we that most of us do with money, they all kind of revolve around you. I put it this way for the notes. Almost everything we do with money serves to inflate me. Almost everything we do with money, it serves to inflate me. Most everything that I do with money and most everything that you do with money, it inflates me and as long as I do all of those things me keeps getting more and more inflated and getting bigger and bigger the more I feed me because What we do with our money, it feeds something. It feeds something, it always does. It feeds our needs, it feeds our wants, it feeds our desires, feeds our awareness. And so as we keep feeding me, guess what happens? Me keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger because me needs and me wants and past me wanted and future me wants. And here's the thing, at the end of the day, What's on this? What's on that list that we talked about? There's nothing wrong with any of those things that we talked about. There's nothing wrong with spending money. There's nothing wrong with paying taxes on money. There's nothing wrong with with saving for retirement and investing for the future. There's nothing wrong with any of that. There's nothing wrong with saving for emergencies. There's 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 there's, there's a lot of good in all of that. And for the next and next week when we come back, we're going to actually talk about how to do all of that better and how to do all of that in a healthier way. How to get better at doing all of those things, making sure that we that we handle our money in a way that allows allows us to do everything healthy that we do with money. But today, I want to start by talking about the one thing that we can do with money that does not serve to inflate me. Because if all we do with money serves to inflate me, eventually, me gets really, really big, and me gets really self-centered, and me gets really selfish, and me gets more and more and more convinced that I am at the center of everything important In the world and at the end of the day every single one of us we need to be reminded we need to be reminded and we need to even be reminded in this season that me and my desires and my wants and my needs and my hopes and my dreams are not the center of the world there is one thing that you can do with your our money that actually does not serve to inflate me And it's when I give and when you give. When we give, me is reminded that me isn't the only thing that matters in the world. And so here's the thing, there has never been a worse time in the history of the world. I mean, I don't know the history of the world. There's never been a worse time in my lifetime to talk about giving, but we're going to do it anyway, because we have never allowed what's happening in culture to dictate what we will talk about. But here's the thing, the more important thing is I feel like even in this time, there is no, there's no more important time to talk about giving because if we're not careful, if we're not careful, the circumstances and conditions of the world will cause us all to let me become bigger and bigger and more self-centered and more self-focused and more selfish and more convinced that me is actually at the center of the world. And so today and next week we're uh, today I'm going to talk about giving, next week we're going to come back and we're talk about how to do all the other stuff healthily. But here's the thing. Today I want to open up the scripture by talking by 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 reading this passage that Paul wrote to this young minister named Timothy who is in charge of a congregation in a city called Ephesus. Paul wrote to Timothy to instruct Timothy about what he was supposed to instruct the people of the church in Ephesus to do. Here's what he said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. See, now you may have heard that first sentence and you're like, ha ha, woo, that doesn't apply to me because he said, rich people, you command those who are rich in this world, command those who are rich in those, he said, he said, teach all the rich people to be rich in good deeds and generous. He didn't say anything about people in my shoes. And You know what's hard for us to fathom? For most of us watching right now, if you're holding a cellular device in your hand while you're sitting in an air-conditioned room, while the lights are on and the the electricity is working and you can walk into the bathroom and turn on running water and you can walk out to your car or one of your family's cars where you both have working air conditioning in both of your cars, you are rich people. You are rich people. On the global scale, rich people would mean anyone who has air conditioning, anyone who has ever thrown away leftovers because it had gone bad while you ate other food. On the global scale, I believe the number is something around $36,000. And if your family brings in more than $36,000 in a year, you are in the top 5% of earners in the world, and I know that's hard for us to fathom. You're like, I make, you, know, like, if you like if you're like, if you're like, $39,000, like, you know, i like you made $39,000 and never felt rich in a single year. I, I understand that compared to other people around us in the United States, many of us who make what what qualifies as the top five, five percent earner, earners in the world, we would go like, oh, I'm not rich compared to blank because I don't go on blank because I can't afford to blank. And we look at some of the people around us who have more and go, well, they're rich, but certainly I'm not rich. And I wanna let you know today, there's some really good news. You're rich. Chances are, if you're living in the United States, chances are really strong that on the global scale, you are rich. Isn't that great news? That's great news. The bad news on the flip side is that means that just like Paul challenged Timothy, I have to teach you to give. I have to teach you to give. See, here's the thing. The reasons that Paul wanted Timothy to teach the rich people in his church to give is simply this, that giving reminds us that hope is in God, not in money itself. Have you ever been tempted to feel like, like your hope is, like if I could just make some more money, I could do, if I like things would get so much better if I had more money. And so we think that money, it gives us hope. But here's the other thing. At the end of the day, money is a terrible source of hope because it goes up and down. It comes and goes God is a great source of hope because he is consistent and never changing and never failing. He is a great source of hope. Giving reminds us to hope in God, not in money itself. Giving reminds us where blessing comes from. That blessing does not come from our bosses. That blessing does not come from our hard work. That blessing, I mean it does, but blessing ultimately comes from from God, because God gave you the ability to work, God gave you the the work ethic that he gave you, God gave you the ability to work hard, and at the end of the day, blessing comes from God in the form of blessing beyond the things that you have worked for. Blessing comes from God. Giving reminds us that we are not the center of the world, but we stand on equal footing with others before God who is above all, and finally, giving reminds us that there is a life to come beyond this life. See, here's the beautiful thing that Paul would ultimately say and what we've kind of been driving towards this whole day. Giving is the one thing that you'll do with your finances that reminds you that you aren't the only thing that matters. Giving reminds you that there is a hope beyond money, that there is a God who is the ultimate source of hope, that there is a God who is the ultimate source of blessing. Giving reminds us that we are on equal footing with everyone around us and that we are on equal footing before God. Giving reminds us that there is a life to come beyond this life. Giving keeps us in check. Giving keeps me in my Place. Giving keeps me from thinking that I am at the center of the world. Giving keeps me and my hopes and my dreams and my wants and my desires from feeling like they are the only thing that matters. To say it short and to the point, giving grows our humility where most everything else that we will do with our money grows our selfishness and grows our pride and maybe grow our arrogance, may grow our ego and may grow our feeling of self-sufficiency. At the end of the day, what God wants to make sure that we do with our money, what Paul wanted Timothy to make sure that his church did with their money is to make sure that we use our money in a way that also grows our humility. That first and foremost would grow our humility would grow our humility, would help us to remember that we are not the center of the world, that money is not the center of the world, that effort and striving is not the center of the world, but there is a God who is a source of hope at the center of the world who has called us to love and serve and to be generous toward those around us. And so here's the thing. The beautiful thing about that is that Paul, who told Timothy to teach his people and instruct his people to give, When Paul wrote one other letter in the New Testament, he actually very specifically told the people of the church that he was writing to how to give. You're like, Paul told Timothy to tell people how to give, but he didn't tell Timothy how to tell people how to give. But Paul did tell the church in Corinth how to give. He instructed them on the attitude and the posture of the giver, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he wrote this, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you, Should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. So here's how Paul told the Corinthians how to give. He said they should give in in three ways. They should give generously. They should give decidedly. And they should give cheerfully. They should give generously, they should give decidedly, and they should give cheerfully. Now here's what generously means. You're thinking like, oh, give it all away. That's actually not what generous means in this context. Generously in this context means not expecting a return, that you're giving for something beyond yourself. If you, wanna, if you wanna do something with your money that convinces you that you aren't in the center of the world, the best thing that you can do, the best reason to give, is simply because it pushes money away from the thing that you think is at the center of the world, which is you. And so you give it generously. Meaning you give not expecting anything to come back to you. Meaning you give and not going, well, I gave this so God has to give me. I gave this so now they owe me. I gave this so now someone has to turn around and, and, and recognize my generosity. No. Generosity means we give not expecting a return. Putting it into the hands of God. Putting it into the hands of people who are in need. Putting it into the hands of organizations that help people for, for good. That we give not expecting a return to ourselves. Decidedly mean meaning that you're giving is your choice, not because of guilt or manipulation, which means if in, in any of this moment, I hope that none of you in any way feel any guilt or manipulation, but I hope that many of us would make a decision and a choice of our own free will that we would give. Paul said, don't give under compulsion. Don't give under compulsion. I want you to give. I don't want you to give reluctantly as if someone has to draw it away from you. I don't want anyone to have to come and twist your arm. I want you to make a decision to give, because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you do what God wants you to do with your money. And then he finally said cheerfully. He said, God loves a cheerful giver, giving with joy, because you know that you are accomplishing good beyond you. And so here's the thing. God wants us to give, because giving is the one thing that we will do with our money that grows our humility. One, giving is the one thing that we will do with our money that reminds us that we are not at the center of the world, and we are not the only things that that matter. And so here's the thing. To finish this off today, I want to talk to you about four ways that, you, that that when many of us give. Some of these are, we always talk about, we want to take, help people take a first step or a next step. When it comes to generosity, when it comes to giving, when it comes to donating money, when it comes to giving money, there are four ways. And here's the thing, as a Jesus follower, I believe our giving should always start with the local church. If you're not a Jesus follower, you're watching today, I'm so glad you're watching today. I would hope that maybe you would consider giving something somewhere to someone who does good in the world. But I believe as a Jesus follower, giving always starts at the local church. And so if you're a part of our church community, I would encourage you to consider taking a first step or a next step in your generosity with Movement Church. And we talk to you all the time at the end of the videos and let you know the ways that you can give. But today I want to talk about some types of giving that we can, that we can take some first steps or next steps to. The first one is what I would call a tip. Now, I, I think this is actually a really bad way of talking about this, but I can't actually think of a better way to talk about this. This would be some what I would call maybe some relatively unintentional giving or giving when I have something left over or giving in a way that I don't really necessarily think about it a whole lot. It's not very regular. It's irregular. It's when I have something left over. It's when I remember that I have some cash. It's when I remember to do this. And here's the thing, if you're taking a first step of giving, of giving, that's okay. It's okay to let, to not have it be a real big habit. It's okay to not have it be real regular. It's okay to, to, to do it when you, like as a first step, that is okay. It is okay to take a, a tip as a first step. The second step though that, that, that many people kind of land at that many people stay at, and I think this is a really great place to be is, is what I would call the tithe you can move from the tip to the tithe. The tithe is actually a biblical term. It's something that existed a lot and was practiced heavily in the Old Testament, but was also practiced in the New Testament by Jesus' followers and by and by the church as, as the church expanded. The tithe represents a 10% gift to the Lord, that 10% of your earnings are given back to God. And a lot of people kind of argue that this is old covenant law. This is See, the reason we don't do this is because this is the old covenant law. But here's the thing. This actually existed, to speak about this really positively, this existed before the old covenant law existed. This existed a thousand, almost a thousand years before Moses. This actually goes back to the covenant that God established with Abraham. It goes back to the decision that Abraham and his family line made over and over and over again. It actually exists in the Old Testament law because of the decision that Abraham and his family line made, over that Abraham gave ten percent of his of, of, of his belongings to God, that his children gave ten percent of what they had to God, that that his children his, that this was passed down and this became part of the law because it was such a common practice among the people of God. A tithe is giving of ten percent in worshipful response to God's blessing. Now, then from a tithe, we would move to a place that we call generous giving. Generous giving, generosity starts at 10.1%. Generosity starts at 10.1%. That when you give anything above the tithe, that's generous giving. When you, when, if, if you're like, hey, you know what? Like, we, we, we used to give 10%, but we felt like God wanted us to give 12% or 15%. Like, so we've been doing that. Anything above 10% is generous giving giving. For our family, we've, we we I, I grew up giving ten percent. I've given ten percent since my first allowance of Jalen's kind of the same way. That so we've we've been givers, we've been tithers for our whole lives. And when we moved to Las Cruces, we felt like not only did God call us to to, to, to kind of change some things around financially in our lives. But one of the things that we felt like God called us to do was, was to progressively become more and more generous. And so to move from 10% to 11%, to 12%, to 13%. So last year we gave away six, we, we gave 16%. Of our income. Because we believe that God loves a cheerful giver. And here's the thing, none of that was ever ever made us feel tight. We believe that we're giving in response to what God had asked us to do. But we believe that generosity didn't happen at 1%. That generosity began after the 10%. So generous giving is when you make a consistent decision, we're going to give more than 10%. And then there's what I would call sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving, which, which is probably not a really frequent Way to live where you don't want to constantly be giving away that causes that causes you know hurt and like oh my gosh this is actually this really costs us something but every once in a while I believe God will ask and will call us to a sacrificial form of giving. One of, this is one of the reasons that every year at Christmas we actually call you to sacrificial giving when it comes to our our our, our home for Christmas campaigns that we want to sacrificially give give more than we think we can give to, to see what God can do. With, with as as he takes and multiplies what we give and does more with it than we think is possible. So every once in a while, there are times where God calls us to sacrificially give. And this doesn't just happen in a church. This can happen when you find out that someone you know is in need, and you have your groceries that you need, but you're going to spend less on your groceries so that you can get them groceries. This is the, so that you you spent you actually cut back on your expenses so that you can help pay for someone's medical bills that you know is having a difficult time paying for some medical bills. This is at the cost of something that you want or that you desire, saying no to what I want now so that I can experience and see what God wants to do through my generosity. This is sacrificial giving. Now, here's the thing. Again, I I, I hope this is true in our church. This is my goal whenever I talk about finances. In our church, I never want it to feel like manipulation. I never want it to feel like someone's twisting your arm. I just want to teach on giving and give you an invitation to take a step. So whether that's a first step. Or next up, I want to teach you, as I hope I've done today, I want to teach you how to give. I want to teach you that you should give in a decided way, that you should make your decision. I want to teach you that you should give cheerfully because God actually does love a cheerful giver and we experience joy when we give to God and when we give to the things that God cares about. I want I want us to end up in a, in a posture where we make sure that we are giving for the right Reasons that we're giving generously, not expecting a return, and that I want to make sure that we are actually taking a first step and a next step to give. So I hope that as, as as we taught this, I hope it feels life-giving. I hope it feels freeing. I hope that in this season of life, that many of us could actually experience and go, "Wow, I actually did take that step. I took a first step, or I took a next step, and I actually do feel like God is doing a work in me because of what 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 I was taught and instructed to do." financially. And here's the thing, the reality for us as a church, if you're thinking like, well, what's the reality for us as a church? To go where we want to go, we need some people to step into a new place as you give. If you're not a giver in any way, I would invite you to start somewhere. I would invite you to start with a tip, to start by giving you know, $5 or $10 or, or or $20, maybe to do $50 every month or maybe to give $100. Like, I don't know where everyone watching is at, but I would invite you to take some first step, whether it's a tip or what. For some of you that, 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 so, that some Somewhere is a consistent monthly gift of $20 or $50 or $100. For some of you who have been givers but aren't consistent, it might be to be- become consistent. For some who are consistent, but you're not tithers, maybe tithing is your next step or moving towards the tithe is your next step. For some of us who are tithers, it may be time to do what I, what I just talked about and move from a place of uh, where, where you have been tithing and to move into a phase of generous giving. And for some who are really generous givers, it may be time to take a bold leap and give in a way that's actually sacrificial at some point. But here's the thing, no matter what God is asking you to do, here's what I would encourage you to do do whatever God is asking you to do. Don't, don't necessarily do just what, I, what I'm asking you to do. Again, that's, that's manipulation. I, I, I don't wanna, we don't wanna do any part of that. But whatever God may be asking you to do, do that thing. If God's asking you to take a first step, take that first step. If God's asking you to take a next step, take that next step. If God's asking you to take a sacrificial step, I know it's gonna sound crazy, but take that sacrificial step because God will always respond to our generosity and God will always do one thing specific with our generosity. God will use our generosity to grow our humility. God will use our generosity to grow our humility. And in this day and age, in this season, in this stretch of time, maybe just maybe that is one of the best things that we can be known for as Jesus followers, that we're actually willing to humble Ourselves, So let's be generous. Let's use our money for good. Let's use our money to remind us that we are not at the center of the world. Let's use our money to inflate others. Let's use our money to inflate the things of God. Let's use our money to make sure that the things that God wants inflated in this world are inflated to do the things that God wants to do in this world. And we'll watch as God, as we do what God wants first, God will, will help us to be disciplined, to be prioritized, and to make, and to be healthy in all of the other things that we're going to come back to and talk to you about how to do better and healthily next week. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace for us. Thank you that you care about every area of our lives. And God, thank you that even right now, as we talk about giving, God, thank you that you care about our finances. God, for those of us who find ourselves in really tight financial situations, Thank you that you see and recognize our need and that you are the God who provides. God, thank you that for those of us who are, are maybe struggling and have bills to pay that we don't know how we're gonna pay, God, I thank you that you recognize our need and you, and you are the God who will provide. And God, thank you that for, for those of us who find ourselves in any situation, God, that you recognize us and you see us where we are and you wanna move us forward. So God, today, may we, re- may we hear what you have to say May we respond how you want us to respond. And God, help us to be people who choose generosity. And as we choose generosity, would you grow our humility so that we can more accurately reflect who you are and how you want us to live in our world. God, we don't want to think for one moment more that we're the center of the world or we're the only thing that matters. So God, help us to give so that we can recognize and practice something that gets us out of the center of the world. God, help us to inflate the things that you want us to inflate. Help us inflate your work all over the world, in our city, in our state, in our church, wherever we go. Help us to recognize the things that you want us to give to and help us to give to make them a reality. We love you, God, and we pray this all in Jesus' strong name. Amen.